after further review as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Sound, you're listening to 88.3 WGTs. After further reviews, Frank Vashner's power play. Frank, take it away. All right, so lots to cover here, but a few things that have happened since I last did this. The Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup in six games over the Tampa Bay Lightning, so no Pat Riley three-peat for them. Gail McCarr was the Conn Smythe Trophy winner for playoff MVP. Well-deserved title for him, even though it came the night after I got to watch the premiere of Unrivaled, which is the E60 documentary on the Red Wings and Avalanche in the 90s, which was very well done, by the way. If you guys haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Yes, I have seen it. All right. So, and then since then, the Red Wings have hired a new coach, and he should be familiar to a lot of people in the Toledo area. It's Derek Lalone who coached the Toledo Walleye for a few seasons. And his stock pretty much rose after he left for the AHL to coach the Iowa Wild. Didn't make the people say, well, he didn't make the postseason there. Well, he had a winning record, and I guess the division they were in was pretty deep. And I personally thought that he would have been in the NHL by now as a head coach, but he decided to go coach under John Cooper in Tampa, where he was an assistant for two of those cup-winning teams. So personally, I've said this, I think it's a great hire by Steve Eiserman to get Lalone into the fold. Well, he's been a winner pretty much everywhere he's gone, on built a winning culture. I mean, look, first year he was with the Walleye, he took a team that was absolutely abysmal and got them to first place. And plus learning from John Cooper as well, who I think is one of, is the best coach in the NHL currently. That's only going to help his cause. I think that's the equivalent of college football coach is going to coach under Nick Saban for a year, and then they go get a big job, which, speaking of coaches taking a job to work under Cooper, that's where Jeff Blaschel has gone, and personally, I think that's a good move for him. Go to the John Cooper rehab coaching rehab clinic, and maybe he'll end up learning a couple things and be back in coaching the NHL a few years. So that's just my thoughts on that. Also, the Red Wings did end up hiring a couple of assistant coaches, is they brought in Bob Bowner, who was previously the head coach of the San Jose Sharks, and Alex Westland will be their goaltending coach. I think those are two solid hires there. Westland did help develop a couple of goaltenders who recently got moved from Washington Capitals. Those I'll hit on that later. Bowner has done that. Didn't really have much in San Jose as a head coach, but again, I think he'll be solid as an assistant coach, coaching the penalty kill and the defense. Put him with Alex Tangay, who's running the power play and offense, and I think the Red Wings do have a very solid staff in place, and I'll get to more on what they did via draft, trade, free agency. Coming up right about now, 
as I was actually at their NHL draft party where they drafted Marco Casper, Austrian center who was playing playing over in the Swedish Hockey League. People were saying, well, his stats weren't that good. Well, of course, he was playing against grown men on a consistent basis. So obviously, that's a lot tougher competition than if he would have been playing in juniors or whatever. And they just signed him to his entry-level deal. I think he'll end up being here in uh, not this season, but probably next season. And to play, I really like the pick there, here by Iserman. But, of course, Steve wasn't done after that. The very next day, trades a third-round pick to the St. Louis Blues for goaltender Billy Huso, and then signs him to a three-year contract. And I had some people saying, well, why did he do that? He could have waited and got him free agency. Well, there's no guarantee that he would have gotten him, him in free agency for that good of a deal. I mean, three years, $4.75 million annual average. Now I think you've got a very solid goaltending tandem with Nadelkovic and Huso. And from every indication I've read, it's going to be a 1A and 1B. So a couple solid options there. There. And then, of course, free agent frenzy, which I'll get to. And this is where I will be calling upon David, the man of God, Harris. As it seemed like there was, a after his Penguins got eliminated by the New York Rangers in the playoffs, there was a lot of smoke going around that this was going to be it for the current Penguins team. The band was going to break up. Everybody was going to go on. It's time to tear it down, start it all over again. Well, <laughs> that proved to be a complete nothing burger. As they ended up re-signing Chris Letang, Letang, Letang defenseman, six-year contract, $36.6 million. There's a little bit long in terminal, if you ask me, David. He's 35 years old, but keeping him until he's 41, I mean, look... Honestly, I don't think he – he's not Nick Lidstrom, who was seemingly an ageless wonder until he retired at age 42. But, I mean, at least you're keeping him in the fold. And But I kind of question around Hextall's decision to give him that much money with a bunch of incentives. It basically makes him tough to buy out. But I will let you, the Penguins fan, and speak a little bit on that. David? I mean, I don't have a problem with Chris Letang. Obviously, you get a better experience in the draft. we got a lot of young – defensemen that for mentorship purposes but then also having that core together and we see a lot of times like a lot of teams do that rebuild they just want to scrap get rid of all the old players and yes to some degree that does work as we saw a little bit in Colorado but at the same time you can't teach that experience and I think having that experience and mentorship and he's still playing when not hurt playing at a solid level so i think it's a good deal you keep the band together and just because it's smoking doesn't mean that it's always a house on fire it could just be someone cooking on the grill <laughs> a good analogy there so a couple other signings that did go down before free agency opened your old pal the flower mark andre Fleury, is going to stay in minnesota for another two years seven million dollar salary I'm not sure if he'll end up finishing his career there because he's 37. But, David, do right now, do you think there's a possibility that, that the Flower could come back to Pittsburgh, maybe finish his career there? 
Oh, uh, probably not. I wouldn't say to play. They might do the ceremonial, you know, one day contract or something that so he retires a penguin. But I don't, I don't see for the foreseeable future that he'll come back and actually play for the Pens. I think that that ship unfortunately has sailed, but he's still a great keeper. I mean, it's hard to, again, hard to find good veteran experience. You can't just get rid of the old guys, put them out the pasture when you still got something left in the tank. And I think he still has something in the tank. And I think, I think he'll be good for the wild. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll kind of hit on a couple of trades as there was a lot that went down. Big one that happened was the Los Angeles Kings acquired Kevin Fiala from the Wild for a 2022 first-round pick and defenseman Brock Faber. Fiala did end up signing an extension with the Kings. And a few uh, other deals that went down, the Tampa Bay Lightning sent Ryan McDonough to the Nashville Predators to clear some cap room. Room. The Colorado Avalanche, since they have moved on from Darcy Kemper, who won them the cup, they're probably get, they end up bringing in Alexander Georgiev from the New York Rangers for three draft picks, and they ended up signing him. Derek, a trade involving your Blackhawks is they ended up of sending Alex DeBrinket to Ottawa. For a 2022 first, a 2022 second, and a 2024 third. Apparently, there's been a lot of smoke about Patrick Kane possibly getting moved out. But I haven't seen anything yet. I guess there's still a lot that can happen between now and September. And, of course, the Blackhawks weren't done. They also sent Kirby Dock to Montreal Canadiens for a 2022 first and 2022 second. So, I mean, I think Kyle Davidson realizes, hey, I got to rebuild this, and I'm going to try and acquire as much draft capital as I can. But then they also acquired Peter Morozik from the Toronto Maple Leafs and his bad contract and a 2022 first in exchange for a 2022 second rounder. Er, so, and then, of course, Arizona Coyotes got Zach Cassian in a 2022 first from Edmonton for three draft picks and of course more trades that went down i mentioned the red wings getting billy huso the capitals ended up sending vitek vanasek who was their starting goaltender to new jersey for a couple of draft picks so but of course washington ended up signing darcy kemper that was a big shock there i'm being sarcastic the Philadelphia Flyers acquired Tony D'Angelo from the Carolina Hurricanes for three draft picks. And then, of course, of course, another one of David's former boys, Matt Murray, who was in Ottawa. He gets sent to Toronto for uh, future considerations along with a 2023 third and a 2024 seventh. Everyone said that Toronto needs to upgrade their goaltending. I'm not sure Murray's going to be that guy. Ottawa had to get a goaltender in, so they get Cam Talbot from the Minnesota Wild for Philip Gustafson. And other trades that went down, straight-up swap between New Jersey and Boston. Right when free agency opened for Pavel Zacha goes to Boston. Eric Hall goes to New Jersey. The San Jose Sharks traded Brent Burns, along with depth guy Lane Peterson, to the Hurricanes for Stephen Lawrence, a guy whose name I can't pronounce the life of me, and a conditional draft pick. pick. 
couple of the trades. The Vegas Golden Knights, who have gotten to be very cash-strapped, they send Max Pacioretty to the Hurricanes for future considerations. And the Ottawa Senators sent Connor Brown to the Washington Capitals for a 2024 second-round pick. So now getting back to the meat and potatoes with the signings, Adrian Kempe re-signs with the Los Angeles Kings, four years, $5.5 million. Philip Forsberg, who is a pending UFA in Nashville, he's staying put for another eight years, $68 million deal for him. Um, as I got to scroll through a bunch of signings that a lot of depth guys getting re-signed on small deals. Big one, Valeri Nachushkin, who was a key piece to the Colorado Avalanche's cup run, 52-point season. And he gets an eight-year contract worth $49 million. And, David, here's a signing for you. Another one of your boys, Ricard Raquel. He's staying in Pittsburgh for another six years, $30 million. There's 41 had a 41 point season last year, but I believe he was also was after he. I think he really flourished after he came over from Anaheim. What are your thoughts? I mean, I think it's always good to kind of have depth pieces, and again, you're you're building a core together, and if you don't have to break the bank to try to go, and that's always the thing with that we see throughout this free agency period. Like, if you have to break the bank to sign a guy or to bring a guy back, obviously there's going to be some pros and cons. But if you play well, we're going to treat you well. And that's always kind of been the MO in Pittsburgh. Like, if you're going to produce, if you're going to be quality and you're not going to hurt us in the long haul, we'll, we'll sign you. Whether, you know, one-year deal, two-year deal, like, whatever we need to take to kind of keep you in that core group, keep that system going, keep the ship moving. So I, I like the deal. And we'll move on to another deal that your team made. And this is one that you said that when I told you about all the smoke that was going on about this player leaving, Evgeny Malkin, Tuesday night, some, there was reports that said, hey, I'm going to test free agency. And then pretty much at the 11th hour says, psych, I'm staying put. Signs four-year deal at $24.4 million. And you told me that uh, this was definitely more sizzle than steak. And I guess that was the case. Any more thoughts? Yeah, I mean, as soon as... And I, I think I texted it to you guys, like, in the chat. Like, as soon as Chris Letang signed, it was just a matter of time before Gino signed his deal. Like, you're not going to sign Chris Letang to a multi-year deal and then everyone say, oh, the smoke... There's controversy about how long, you know, is Gino going to leave? You know, the sign, the rumors were, you know, he's going to go to Detroit because growing up, watching all the Russian players play for Detroit, he was going to be that next grade, you know, grew up a Detroit Red Wings fan. And I was like, as soon as Chris Tang signed, he was signing. It was just a matter of the terms of the deal. They were going to figure out the money. And, yeah, he keeps the band together for one last ride. It's not as though... Evgeny Malkin is a horrible player. He's just been hurt. And yeah, when you're hurt, only, you, can't, you can't be on the ice. Yeah, because he only played 41 games last year. But, I mean, he was, still, he was still a point-per-game player. I mean, personally, I, I wasn't too – I mean, look, I, if Steve Eiserman was going to end up plucking him again, this is all, all hypothetical if it would have happened. I wouldn't have gave him a four-year deal. I probably would have gave him two years, maybe he's – 15 million 
just maybe as a stopgap, but obviously that didn't happen. So continuing on with the madness of free agency, Evander Kane, who ends up somewhat resurrecting his career in Edmonton, produced well in the playoffs for the Oilers. He st- he signs a four-year deal worth $20.5 million, although there is some controversy surrounding him with his time in San Jose. And apparently there's going to be some court proceedings about whether he can – He's going to have to go back there or not. Who knows what's going to happen. A few other signings I'll hit on. Darren Helm, former Red Wing, won a cup in Colorado. He decides to stay for another year. Here, one-year deal, $1.25 million. Colorado also re-signs defenseman Josh Manson, four years, $18 million. The Oilers, everyone said, oh, they got an offense, but they have no goaltending. They signed Jack Campbell, five years, $25 million. Campbell was pretty decent in Toronto last season, albeit he, at the least as a whole, just kind of pooped a hammer in the playoffs, so who knows what's going to happen there. Claude Giroux goes from Florida to Ottawa, three-year deal, $19.5 million. Seems like the Ottawa Senators are getting to be a lot better of a team. Another Washington Capitals goaltender decides to leave. Ilya Samsonov signs a one-year, $1.8 million deal with the Maple Leafs. Thomas Grice, who was with the Red Wings, he goes to the Blues. One year, $1.3 million. One minute in the power Blue... play, one minute. Okay, so... We're getting sorry, I was going through a lot of these. Yeah, dude, Frank, so, we gotta, when we do these segments, meat and potatoes and the important thing, you don't have to go through the full list. People can go and read that. Yeah. So I'll just go with what the what Steve Eiserman did. He signed Andrew Kopp, five years, twenty eight point one three million dollar deal. Kopp, an Ann Arbor native, played at Ann Arbor Sky, played football at Ann Arbor Skyline, oddly enough, and played for the U.S. National Development Team. Also was a teammate of Dylan Larkin at the University of Michigan, and that's a good move for a second line center. They also signed defenseman Ole Mata, who David probably remembers from his Pittsburgh days. One-year, $2.25 million deal. He'll there. There's, I got to scroll through a lot of these. How about we do this? The Red, the Red Wings also ended up signing defenseman Ben Sherratt. Four years, $19 million deals. I'm a little leery of the term, but Sherratt is a top-pairing defenseman. He can play with most Sider. They also signed Dominic Kubelik from your Blackhawks. Eric, two years, $5 million. Good middle six guy to play forward. Going to get some good secondary scoring. And then they also brought in David Perron, who won a cup in St. Louis in 2019. Two years, $9.5 million deal. People are going to say, well, he's 34 years old. But he's been consistent as hell throughout his career. I really like that signing. And, of course, Steve also brought in Mark Pesic a defenseman on a one-year deal still for about $750,000. Pesic ended up play, has played in Dallas, Buffalo, and Florida. Perfect third-pair guy. Uh, so I think I can say, given the upgrades that Eisenman has made with players, also guys he's drafted, and from a coaching standpoint, I want to say that this is going to be a playoff team next season. But given how tough the East is, I'm not going to say go ahead, buy your playoff tickets, Red Wings fans. But this is definitely the best I have felt about it probably since 2015. 
Yeah, we, we should probably should have gotten to that 10 minutes ago. The question yeah. here is that you, you, you wanted Blashill gone, and you did that. And we had a segment about Blashill and his coaching, but it all depends on what kind of talent he has. What's going to be the difference with Lalone if the talent is still going to be bad and young? He's still going to have his bumpy rides until they get some talent in there, some hot goaltending. How are you going to predict them to be a playoff team next year? Well, is there you pretty, now? I mean, you, I pretty much said they did bring it. Steve went and out and upgraded a lot of positions. He's brought in seven new players via trades and free agency. Goaltending, he addressed, brought in Ville Husso, addressed the need of a second-line center, Andrew Kopp. He got some secondary scoring on the wings with Perron and Kubelik. And then on the blue line, you bring in Sherat, Mata, and Pesic who are going to be a lot more productive than what you had previously. Okay. I think you couple that with coaching. And Malone even said in his presser that, they're, that he's a big believer in player accountability, which I personally like and I agree with. So Blasio so didn't I think have that gonna, last year? I mean, you, did, you didn't really see that as much as, uh, as you kind of just said, oh, well, let it go. So, and plus, I think Black, and I, I said this to a few people, I think Jeff Blaschel was a victim of his own success at the lower levels. His stock rose real quick from one season at Western Michigan where he got them to the NCAA tournament. And then he decides, oh, okay, I'm going to jump to the NHL, be an assistant coach of the Red Wings in one year, goes to the American Hockey League, wins a Calder Cup, and then gets plucked to replace Mike Babcock. But the thing is, his stock, I think, rose too quick for his own good. And he decided, okay, I'm ready to jump to the NHL, and turns out that wasn't the case. But I think now that he's going to be an assistant in Tampa, uh, it's basically the equivalent of a fired college coach going to coach under Nick Saban for a couple of years to basically learn what to do better. Well, Frank, I... This was this should have been really the segment here because this is when the, the been the main key is that you got Red Wings fans divided. You're saying fire Blashill. There's people that are saying we need more better talent. I don't think he was really a victim of his own success. He was just grateful to have great talent. He rolled those coattails, kind of put him on his resume. He thought he was going to be ready for the big time, and he got a turd of a team. And he looked bad. I don't care who would. Scotty Bowman could have been coaching that team. That team was still going to be bad. So now you got Derek Lalonde in here. Okay, now you, you, you've you added some pieces, and it looks like this might happen. But my question is, especially in hockey, they say it's more of the talent than it is the actual coaching. So now could you have said that did really Blashell get a fair shot? What if all these changes would have been made and Blashell was still the coach, do they make the playoffs? Could that be a possibility? They got better talent. I mean, I think this is a wait, this is a wait and see type of deal, and I don't think they make the playoffs this year, next year. Well, they, they, I think twenty four. I mean, next. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that they're going to make it next year, but I think I speak for a lot of Red Wings fans as well as myself, saying you see, you see the moves are getting made. You see the talent getting brought in. You see a coach who's got a little bit, got better of a track record than the previous one. But how's that? And who actually learned, uh, actually, and like I said, learned under one of the best coaches in the NHL. 
Nah, well, I, I don't. I, so I think I think that definitely Frank. That definitely helps him. Frank, Frank, Frank. I mean, look, Frank, is it Frank, Frank? Frank, Frank. I'm mean, like I said, I'm not guaranteeing a playoff spot next year. But here's the thing, Frank. But I think he. You, I feel much better about it. You're kind of. This is where I think there's somewhat of a bias. Alone, Blashill are kind of the same coach almost to the extent where they had success at the lower levels. Malone has had success at the lower levels. He's been with some great teams on the NHL level. But just because we've seen this several times, and David can say the same thing, you could be a a hot assistant at a great program that doesn't really translate into you having success as the, the main guy at a different spot. Because of a number of things, it could be bad management, which I don't think the Red Wings have. Upstairs could be really bad, uh, just unorganization, um, bad communication, or you just have an organization that's just hitting a rough patch and just have no talent. And in this situation, in the pros, you can't be young and you can't be talented, both because then you really be trash, but then you also can't be young because you have the growing pains. So, yeah, you might have made these changes, but are Red Wings fans going to be able to go through the growing pains or are they going to be disappointed and say, well, Nolan's not a good coach because oh, we got sold fool's gold? I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to what, 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 what kind of talent does he have? That's why I don't think Blashill really got a fair shot in Detroit. You can't tell me he was good at the lower levels and then say, well, he was a victim of his own success. Well, at the end of the day, he was still successful. I mean, like I said, I acknowledge that he was good at the lower levels, but again, and the when you get to the pros, it's a lot. It's a lot different. It's a lot oh, different of a game. Oh, I know. Every level is 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 totally different. Yeah, I just think that. With, but I, if, I mean, the same thing happens with Lalone as it did with Blashill. You guys will be having a, a cute meme saying "Fire Lalone." Well, we don't look. All I'm saying is, let's get to let's get to October and uh, get on the ice. But given the fact that you have a competent GM here in Steve Eiserman, you've got uh, someone who I feel is definitely an upgrade in coaching, and not just at the head coach, but at the assistant coaching spots. And you've upgraded the talent as well. Well, there should there it should be. No reason why Red Wings fans should not say, "Hey, things are looking better." And even, even in Detroit sports as a whole, I could say that there are three GMs in this city that have a plan, know what the hell they're doing, thing, and they're willing to make, not afraid to make bold moves and say, "Hey, hey, it's time to quit losing. I'm sick of losing. Let's go out there and win." And then you have the Detroit Tigers. Well, but me and David have heard this scenario from you before with different Detroit teams where fire this guy, fire this guy, then the new guy comes in and, oh, we got the praises and this dude was over at such and such organization. He's going to be the guy that's going to get us over the top and he brought him from this winning organization and they fell flat on their face. Am I right, David? Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, the Tigers are doing bad, but everyone else is doing good. Then the Tigers are up, and then it's the Lions, and then the Lions have a little bit of a jump of the spread, and it's the Pistons, and fire everyone in the Pistons, and then the Pistons have a good draft, and then, whoop, back to the Red Wings. And, yeah, it seems like it's a cyclical pattern. And I think part of this, I think all this is exacerbated by the fact that not only the the documentary on the 
Avalanche Red Wings rivalry, but the fact that the Avalanche just won the cup and Red Wings fans see Colorado as doing the things that they wanted them to do. Like they feel like like Red Wings fans feel like they should be the Avalanche and the Avalanche should still be in this cycle of kind of getting back to those glory years. So I think all of this is just magnitude tenfold. Yeah, like I said, That's I, just outside I, perspective. I, I just wait and see because I've seen this story before on this show with Frank. You love a coach, and then as soon as things fall through, you're ready to just venomously get rid of them. And we go through the song, same song and dance and segment as usual where this new guy comes in, you, 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 you hype him up. He was with either the Patriots or the Lightning or this GM is the, the brightest guy ever. And then two or three years later, you're calling the guy dumb. <laughs> Well, Steve Eisenman hasn't given me a reason to do that yet, and he's on year four. Okay. Troy Weaver. Troy Weaver hasn't done anything. I mean, say. I mean, some people are saying he aren't crazy that he ended up taking out out Leon Rose's recycling, but you know, given who he's drafted, then I said I'm willing to let things play out there with the Pistons. Brad Holmes has shown me that he's not afraid to make bold moves as Lions GM. And he's done well drafting. Dan Campbell, look, I was you guys know that I wasn't really that crazy about him. But you know, I'm seeing what I'm seeing what he's done. And I'm like, okay, maybe he might be he might be the guy. There's a possibility, but again, I'm kind of waiting to see. Of course, I kind of can't wait to see what he's gonna say on hard knocks. So but that's another thing for another time. And of course, the Tigers, I think they have a good manager with AJ Hinch. It's just that Alavila is does not want to spend any money or do anything, and then that may relate to him not having the cojones to tell Chris Illich, "Get out of my way, let me handle this," with like Steve Eiserman did. But that's just my thoughts. So okay. We'll keep continuing to watch what the Iser plan is for. And Frank, thanks so much for that NHL power play, even though it was kind of long-winded. Uh, yeah. I, next time. Yeah, I had a lot to cover. Well, I, I think what, uh, an advice to hear is that because most of our fans are probably going to be Red Wings, Blackhawks, and Penguins fans, maybe keep it to just that, not the whole league, unless it's a big name. But we need to stick yeah. to the, the, the meat and potatoes of, of basically uh, – well, for for any Blue Jackets fan that's listening, they did land a big fish with Johnny Gaudreau, seven years, sixty-eight point two five million dollar deal. Yeah. He was second in scoring last year. So yeah, but this, this is stuff. That. Yeah, there's stuff. This is stuff that people can read and go get that type of. All right, we we need to have the segments where you know hard hitting stories, and plus keep it local. You know, I, everyone else can go on ESPN, all that other stuff, and do that. But yeah, we we, we just need to keep it a little local and most people that are watching are going to be red wings fans a few blackhawks fans obviously penguins fans here and uh and maybe a trickle down of columbus blue jacket fans but thanks uh frank uh any plans this weekend i'll be on the mike for blissfield post 325 on uh saturday for two games then again on Tuesday at Adrian College as they're playing the uh, Toledo Hawks. And then it'll be the zone tournament. And hopefully they get a win and get to advance to the state tournament and up in Mount Pleasant. 
Oh, okay. Well, that sounds pretty good. Dave, what you got on the Going what? And then before I know it, it'll be time for football season. That is right. Frank, David, what you got up next? Next, keeping it local, the Detroit basketball. Detroit Pistons won the offseason, and not even Jesus can help the Knicks. And we'll talk to Bulls since we'll keep it local. Oh, okay. Well, Frank, have a good time. I know you got to get out at 430. Uh, but coming up next, we'll have David the Man, Got Harris, and a little bit of NBA offseason talk up next here on 88.3 WGDs after further review.